You are listening to The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Here at The Door Report, our goal is to become the number one source for Vanderbilt sports news and entertainment. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe as well. Without further ado, here is a new episode. Alongside Will Byram, here's your host, Billy Derrick. Hello again, Commodore fans. Welcome back into The Door Report. This is episode 28. It is Wednesday, May 27th, a very gloomy and rainy day here in the Nashville area. And we are, as always, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. You can get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com. Or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's Jimmy Alaco at Comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, so nice and easy uh, for all you locals around town. You can also call them at 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Here it is, episode 28. Again, the great folks at Alaco Flooring are Alaco Hardwood Flooring are our sponsors per usual. I'm again joined by uh, my new partner, Will Byron. This is his second official Doorport podcast. Will, hey, it's 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 a gloomy day, but we're still talking Commodore sports, right? Yeah, got a, got a lot of good stuff to talk about and uh, on this podcast before, and, and really can't wait to speak with Warren Norman later uh, in the pod. No doubt. You know, he's going to join us later. Uh, we're going to talk about lots of, uh, you know, football topics with Warren. He was a guy that was a game breaker, Will. You know, unfortunately, he was hampered by injuries, but again, can't wait to talk to him. Uh, just about his career and kind of where he sees Vanderbilt football going uh, from here on out. Once again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's uh, door underscore report on Instagram. It's door dot report. Give us a like on Facebook. Will, you're actually going to be hopefully taking control of that. We're hopefully be expanding the Mm -hmm. Facebook a little bit more and also go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We actually brought in your good friend, Jacob Skoll. So hopefully uh, he will be able to, you know, take YouTube to new heights. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is now available on I- Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. And as always, we are also still looking to partner with sponsors with uh, sponsorship opportunities across all platforms. If you have any interest or know anyone who may have interest, please email myself, BillyDerek10 at gmail.com or our site, that's doorreport at gmail.com. Again, that is doorreport at gmail.com well we're going to go ahead and get into the breaking news but first you got a few words about the recycling dudes yeah you may ask who are the recycling dudes well they are brothers Graydon and chapman and their dad drew smith who is a metro nashville firefighter living in Westmead, the recycling dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment they pick up your glass separate it and take it to be recycled They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdudes.com. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, Will, this is a a piece of news that you actually saw uh, at first, and uh, it was from David Gant of Pro Football Talk. He reports that the New England Patriots are looking for our guy, Jawan Williams, to play a little bit of safety during the upcoming season. How about that? He was a guy that obviously played three years at Vanderbilt. Uh, the Patriots used a second-round pick on him uh, mm-hmm. last year, but they only used him on 82 defensive snaps. But, 
you know, now they're asking him to, to be ready to do a lot more. And, and will, he's a guy that has that, that kind of versatility and talent. And I don't know about you, but, but I knew he would be a versatile guy in the NFL, um, you know, from, from the get go. Didn't you? Yeah. So this is, this is really interesting news that that's something to keep an eye on, especially for Vanderbilt fans who like to keep up with the doors and the pros. Uh, Joan is six foot four, 210 pounds. That size makes him extremely versatile, mm-hmm. especially as compared to someone like another door in the pros, uh, Casey Hayward, mm-hmm. uh, who's like 5'11", 190. So that's the more stereotypical corner size we're seeing now. Uh, and Joan at that much larger size, it, it makes him more versatile. Uh, it would have been nice if this uh, would have came out before we had Joan on the pod. <laughs> uh, yeah, would have been able to ask him about any experience at safety he may have had, because uh, just knowing uh, about everything, the coverage responsibilities as well as the amount of run support mm-hmm. responsibilities. It, it's quite different for him. Uh, yeah. You have anything else to add on on yeah, that, Joan? Before we yeah, get they, to some other guys, they were they. I was just going to say they really weren't. He wasn't on the field much because they were just so deep at that position. You yep. know, with guys like Stephon Gilmore. Uh, you know, Jason McCourty was there, Jonathan Jones, and other guys. So, and you know, all four of those guys returned. So, if you're Jawan Williams, this is a this is a spot you know, for him to really step up. I, I think, you know, he's obviously going to get more reps this season, which is a great sign for him. I mean, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. And, you know, we're, we're actually going to be bringing him up a little bit later when we talk about Stackhouse. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he, he's he's one of the best coaches of all time. We all know that. It was just, I think, Will, a matter of learning on the fly last season for Juwan, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like for him, he he's a guy that obviously learns quickly. But the NFL – is is a different animal and mm-hmm. it's it's an even more different animal with the patriots yeah then another, another patriot just just make a little quick side note on it um adam butler actually signed a 3.26 yeah. million dollar uh, restricted free agent deal with the team uh, is a little bit of an upgrade from the six hundred forty five thousand dollars he was making per year on his rookie deal <laughs> he finally uh, got the big bucks yeah got it got a little bit of pay got paid a little bit um he's been really productive for the patriots kind of under the radar uh, uh-huh. He recorded 11 sacks in his first three seasons, and actually six of those came last year. So, looking obviously, the Patriots think highly of him to invest that money into him and, and look for him on the field, hopefully in the upcoming fall. Yeah, how about that for Big Adam? He, mm-hmm. He's finally getting paid. I think he, we all know he deserved it, you know, because he, he got the Super Bowl ring and he was, like you said, well, under the radar, he was a big part of that team. He, like, he, he was a big part of that defense up mm-hmm. front, and, and, you know, we all knew this was going to happen, but again, he signed $3.26 million restricted for agent deal. So again, congratulations to Adam, but again, Juwan Williams, we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of him, hopefully uh, a lot more of him, at least with the Patriots, maybe even at the safety position. All right, well, let's roll on here with Jerry Stackhouse. He stays in-house for his assistant opening and he has promoted Damani Hendricks. This first came on a release from viewcommodores.com. Uh, Stackhouse obviously naming Hendricks as an assistant uh, for the Commodores after he spent last season as the team's director of player development and quality control. Here's what Stackhouse said on Damani. He said, in quote, Damani is a talented coach who has strong familiarity with our system. We believe his passion, knowledge, and teaching ability will be very impactful in the continued development of our current student athletes. His understanding of our culture will enable him to identify and connect with the future Vanderbilt student athletes on the recruiting trail. And will you know? Obviously, we're gonna have to see how this promotion plays out. But Hendricks is, I mean, obviously well respected by Stack. You know, we we all again, like I mentioned with Belichick, 
I, I just trust Stackhouse. You know, whatever he decides to do, I'm all in because I'm drinking his Kool-Aid, you know? <laughs> and Jeff Goodman is like, Yeah. I mean, Jeff Goodman, Goodman needs to just shut up. Like, I, <laughs> I, obviously, his buddy is Bryce Drew, and we know that. We, we this, is, this has been going on for about, you know, a year and a half now. And I know you are going to are, – are about to get all on Jeff Goodman. But before we kind of rip into Jeff, what, what were, were your thoughts on Damani being promoted? Yeah, so I definitely have faith in in hires by stack, like you mentioned, uh, like like we saw, and we'll get into it a little bit more. Experience uh, doesn't always breed success, and and what mm-hmm. analysts really like on hires doesn't necessarily lead to success. Um, so, to get back to Hendricks, that in the state of Stackhouse's staff, uh, in an article by Tom Stevenson of Anchor of Gold, uh, he writes. If there's danger here, Stackhouse and his three full-time assistants have a combined total of three years coaching college basketball, a single year each by Stackhouse and assistants Faragi Phillips and Adam Mazzari. So the actual basketball coaching experience doesn't really bother me. Uh, Way more than football, basketball is basketball, regardless of Mm -hmm. level. Uh, It's a lot lot less about the X's and O's and much more about managing players and putting them in Mm -hmm. roles and situations to maximize their abilities. So I think Stack did a really good job of that this past year, especially what you saw him do after Neesmith and Brown both went down with injuries, unfortunately. So yeah. the only part that is concerning with me is the lack of experience when it comes to recruiting. So mm-hmm. Vandy basketball hasn't exactly burned up the recruiting trail since Stack has gotten here. Not quite. Yeah. And the, and the lack of experience with that does concern me from some perspective, but it doesn't concern me as much because of the name recognition Stackhouse has. I mean, he was a top three pick, scored over 16,000 points in his NBA yeah. career. And his name his name still holds a lot of weight with recruits coming in today. Mm-hmm. So just Stack kind of getting a little bit more experience under his belt and finding the right recruits for his system. Uh, that's the only reason that I'm not more concerned than I otherwise would be. Yeah, and Hendricks, uh, he, he had a lot of roles. He had a, he kind of wore a lot of hats with Vanderbilt. He oversaw the student-athlete development programs. Uh, he led community service initiatives. Uh, he coordinated special events. He assisted with branding and marketing, player behavior, academics, and camps. So, you know, he was very involved with the program. And I think, you know, I, I would see him, you know, w- w- with the cut-ins there uh, on you know, on ESPN or, you know, whatever channel Vanderbilt's on, being the staff, and he would be talking to the guys and, he just seemed to be have that presence about him uh, in that obviously Stackhouse, like I said, has noticed. And um, he joined the Commodores after serving as an assistant coach for the NBA G League's Northern Arizona Suns and the Raptors 905. He, he helped Stackhouse win a title there. So, um, again, our, our very good friend Jeff Goodman, is, <laughs> is he's a great guy. You know, he, he's a great guy. We, we respect him. Uh, yeah, yeah but, you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, those are lies. But uh, – uh, He's just he's an interesting character because all he's done since Vanderbilt fired Bryce Drew is rip Vanderbilt to shreds. I mean, he's just absolutely gone in over his head. And he even posted a podcast today. Uh, and, and at the 1150 mark, I think, in the podcast for, for all the Vanderbilt fans listening here, go listen to that. He, he talks to Vanderbilt basketball for about four or five minutes. And even today, Will. Jerry Stackhouse tweeted, uh, you know, I, I tweeted this, you know, with no no recollection of or not recollection, no really realization of what might happen from it. But Stackhouse responds. Mm-hmm. He comments. 
And 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 basically, I, I don't even understand what he said, but it, he basically called Jeff Goodman a clown. Yeah, ba- basically, yeah, that that that's the word I would probably use to describe. He basically <laughs> said that Goodman's mad because he he's not buddy buddy with him and didn't yeah. need him as a friend, doesn't want him as a friend, unlike Bryce Drew. So, yeah. but Je- but Jeff Goodman has been so critical of Stackhouse, uh, and you kind of got to take everything that that Goodman says with a grain of salt because he defended Bryce Drew to the ends of the earth. I mean, I mean Bryce went 0 and 19. You can't 19. defend that. We, we, How can Van- you defend that? <laughs> Vanderbilt basketball had never even had a 20 loss season in the history of the program, yeah. and Drew did it twice, two years in a row. And his final year, he had 19 losses in conference play. Yeah. So, and if- I, I hate how we act like Dar- like Darius Garland. Obviously, he was a hell of a player, but you still had Simi Shatu, Saban Lee, Aaron Neesmith. That's not a. I mean, it's not a a, a game breaking team, but. Stackhouse got three wins out of out of four walk-ons on the yeah. court. I mean, I mean, come yeah, on. exactly. I mean, you can make as many excuses as you want for Drew, but seeing him with the soft clap on the sideline over and over as the team <laughs> continues to underperform, uh, just uh, there was nothing they could really do. And and Goodman yeah. continued to say about uh, any coach should get more than three seasons. Usually, I, I'm of that opinion as well. But when you have the worst two seasons in the history of a program in back-to-back yeah. seasons in your second, third year, uh, I don't know if you really yeah. give the guy <laughs> give the guy more than three seasons. I, no. I think Vanderbilt's hand, hands were tied, and they made the right decision. Yeah, and it was it was um, it was Malcolm Turner. It, mm-hmm. it was, and I think that probably uh, that does it for a lot of people because Malcolm Turner is buddy buddy with Stackhouse. Um, hopefully still, you know, hopefully yeah. he, he still is, you know, we don't know. Malcolm Turner's kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Um, but again, that that's probably part of it with Malcolm, uh, the relationship between Malcolm and stack. Uh, and that's probably why Bryce drew has, has sort of, you know, formed this, uh, alliance, uh, uh with, yeah. with, with, I don't know, Tim Brando also. I mean, who else does he have? Yeah, we got and and just a little side note here. Uh, we have invited Jeff Goodman to to uh, to the <laughs> podcast. We'd love to have him on. I yeah, don't think Jeff. he's gonna accept our invitation because I yeah. don't think he has any factual backing for his opinions. Uh, but you know, we'll see. Uh, well, hopefully, he'll he's... get on. You think he's listening? Oh, I really hope he's listening. Really, really hope this gets him fired up to get on the podcast <laughs> because I think that would be a hell of a time uh, oh, it, to actually we hear would, him try to justify his opinions. We would have a field day, Will. <laughs> we would have an absolute field day. But one more thing here um, on on the co- topic of Stackhouse uh, promoting Damani Hendricks. Vanderbilt men's basketball actually retweeted a tweet from Mark Wise. I don't know if you saw this, Will, but it was a solid tweet and a lot of truth to it. Mark Wise uh he covers college basketball for espn he's also a member of the gator radio network and so he saw vanderbilt twice uh, live this year he said in a tweet there's no doubt that vanderbilt should get a pass for the next 20 years about injuries to your best player two years in a row to first round picks is beyond bad luck and yet their ability to compete was inspiring and Mm -hmm. that says a lot about about stackhouse's team from a guy that is a florida guy and he saw you know he He's been around a lot of really good Florida teams, and Mark is a guy that is respected in the business. Um, so again, well, th- this is an interesting kind of kind of story to follow between Stack and, and Goodman. Hopefully, uh, you know we can we can kind of keep this going a little bit. Yeah, and uh, just again, just before we move on on this yeah. with the injuries, like like you mentioned, we should get a pass for the next twenty years. Yeah. But you see continuously classes from Kentucky coming in, Duke. How many times do you see those guys? 
have season ending injuries. And we had, yeah. and the one nobody mentions on it is we had Garland go down, uh, missed most of the season. Yeah. Neesmith, with, Neesmith went down his sophomore year. And yeah. the one nobody mentions is Simi Chateau, really soon after he committed, he tore his ACL. Yep. So you literally had the the best class recruiting class in Commodore basketball this history. All eviscerated. All, all three of them, and and Shitu yeah. is never the same guy once he he needed yeah. more time to recover from that injury. Yeah. And and he's doing extremely well in the NBA G League, and we we wish him nothing but the yeah. best. But yeah, that that is just that's worse than bad luck. That almost feels like some sort of curse that's been cast yeah. on us. And I pray that we are not cursed. I mean, <laughs> like Mark said. Uh, the next 20 years, we should have a lot of good luck. You know, we, <laughs> it we should, should balance out. Yeah, exactly. So, again, we will monitor this this battle between Stack and, and Jeff Goodman. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if Jeff responds here. Uh, yeah. maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe he'll throw something back. Uh, Stack threw a haymaker. He could still be on the ground. So, <laughs> um, All right, let's move on here before we get to Warren Norman. Uh, the question is, I like here, Will, before uh, we get to Warren to kind of, or the, the interview of the podcast, to to ask a question. We propose a question, and I thought this would be a good one. Who will be Vanderbilt's starting quarterback this fall? You want to start it off? Yeah, so before really digging into Danny Clark, just just on the outside, I thought we'd see a two-quarterback system with freshman conceals and mm-hmm. uh, taking about 80% of the snaps and other freshmen coming in on the same class, Mike Wright taking about 20% of the snaps and some read option or RPO packages. However, success of freshman quarterbacks in SEC is the exception, not the rule. And with Mason and his job security where it is and his job really on the line this season, in my opinion, he doesn't have the luxury of a year or two of developing a young quarterback like he did with Shermer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So another big key in this whole decision is going to be this new four-game redshirt rule. Uh, that benefited Cam Johnson this past year, mm-hmm. but where a guy can play in four games and still qualify to receive a red shirt and an extra year of eligibility. So ideally in the season opener against Mercer, ideally we would, <laughs> you can never take even an FCS game for granted with, with us, but oh, it would be, man. yeah, it would be great to see all three of those guys take at least a series or multiple series of snaps uh-huh. to evaluate them because we haven't been able to see the typical spring game to really evaluate these guys. Yeah, but, the question the question was who will be Vanderbilt starting quarterback yeah. this fall? Yes, I said this fall. You know, <laughs> football football is going to be happening this fall, yes. whether you like it or not. And uh, you know, I hope most people listening to this podcast are in favor of that. Um, uh, and, so. and you know, oh yeah, <laughs> but you know, I I think we both think Danny Clark is the guy. Um, you know, we we talked to some people close to the program, and you know, he went from being a highly touted recruit at Kentucky. Um, you know, I was he a four star will. I'm not sure on that. We'll, we'll have I to think, dig into that. Yeah, we'll dig in. But, you know, and then so he not 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 the best uh, time there in Kentucky, but he so he ended up uh, transferring to a JUCO and he becomes one of the top JUCO quarterback transfers in the nation. And now he's at Vanderbilt. So the path this kid has taken is is pretty ridiculous. Um, and you know, we know Vanderbilt struggled a quarterback last season, you know, per most seasons. Um, you know, they used four guys during the season because of injuries and ineffective play. So this is definitely an area, Will, where this team must improve if they plan on winning more than three games. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think Danny Clark is just the guy that he can run the ball. Um, you know, you you like his mobility from what you've from what you've seen, and and if 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 they can if they can play him the entire Mercer game, and and he he throws the ball well, and and he's able to rush for a touchdown or so. I say you keep him in. I don't want to see this rotating. 
you know, this rotating deal with Mason again. Yeah, Clark, like, and, I, and just a side note on that, just looked it up. Clark was the number 15 pro-style quarterback in the uh, class of 2017. So he was, yeah. for, for just a little bit, yeah, he was the number 15, number 382 national recruit. And, and just for reference, 13 and up were four and five star recruits. So he was right on yeah. that border of a three and four yeah. star. He's right on that edge. So, and he's a kid with talent. It, it, we've, we tweeted a lot of his, his tape uh, and he's got it. He's got an electric arm. So, uh, you know, we'll see there. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're both pretty sure on Danny Clark and um, you know, w- but we'll see, we'll see there. There's nothing, uh, nothing permanent right now. That's, that's all speculation. And we shall see who will be Vanderbilt starting quarterback this fall. Uh, but speaking of football, this fall, we, we're still praying we're going to have it. Uh, but we know what's going to happen. We're going to interview Warren Norman here coming up. Will, he's a three-year starter uh, for Chambly Charter School near Atlanta. He committed to Vanderbilt in 2009. And unfortunately, he was hampered by injuries, though. But, but this is going to be fun, Will. Yep. I'm really excited and, and can't wait to get him on and, and kind of pick his brain about his whole process of committing to Vanderbilt and, and what it was like and his thoughts on the future of Commodore football. All right, Will Warren Norman coming up here on the Door Report. All right, we are now thrilled to be joined by Warren Norman. He is a he was a three year starting running back for Chambly Charter School near Atlanta. He was a first team All Region member as a senior, and then committed to Vanderbilt in two thousand nine. He produced one of the finest seasons ever by a Commodore All Purpose athlete and became just the second Vanderbilt player in history to capture SEC Freshman of the Year honors in 2009. And he sparked a win at Ole Miss down in Oxford in 2010 with 111 rushing yards on 15 carries, including an 80-yard scamper that we all remember very well that tied the second longest run in school history. Unfortunately, he was hampered by injuries in both 2011 and 2012 and decided to give up football, but that's not stopping him in his day-to-day life. We now have Warren Norman on the Door Report. Warren, thanks for taking the time, man. Hey, Billy. Glad to be with you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I want to first start here. Uh, obviously, quarantine has, has hit everyone pretty hard uh, here during coronavirus. What have you been up to? You've been you've been staying busy during the quarantine? Oh, man. Uh, it's been really crazy, Billy. I think um, one thing that's just I'm just trying to do is just trying to stay engaged, um, mm-hmm. picking up skills, um, working out. Um, a lot of watching television as well, but just trying my best not to, I guess, drive myself crazy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I want to kind of dive into your career a little bit, uh, beginning really as a child. You grew up in the Atlanta area. Um, obviously, the Falcons had a big presence there. Uh, was there was there an athlete that you grew up idolizing that kind of uh, kick-started your, your football career? Yeah, growing up, believe it or not, my uh, favorite player was Randy Moss. Okay. Um, <laughs> get into football until I was around I'd say like 11 or 12 or somewhere around that age and I think it was about that time Randy Moss is really hitting the scene and just lighting the NFL up so um but I was just really attracted to just just the big scoring plays um and just the long touchdown catches I mean that just really fired me up and he had like this attitude and his vigor about him that just really I guess uh, resonated with me so growing up it was definitely Randy Moss um Grew up liking Marshall Falk a lot, too, just being in the running back position and just how he was able to do just about everything, you know. Um, but hands down, it was it was Randy Moss from day one and up until he retired. Definitely my favorite player of all time. And um, I'd say probably Marshall Falk kind of behind him. Yeah, not a bad option there. Those are two of the deadliest offensive weapons in NFL history. I want to kind of move towards you going to Vanderbilt now. 
obviously yeah. being being a kid from Atlanta, not too far from Vanderbilt, a team that obviously plays in the SEC against uh, amazing talents, you know, week in, week out. What ultimately made you choose Vanderbilt? And, and uh, you know, what were some of the other schools you, you were considering? Yeah, so I knew right from the get-go that I wanted to make a decision early. Um, I decided to choose Vanderbilt before I even uh, began my senior year. But that was something I really wanted to do just kind of early on, just even as the recruiting process began, I just kind of said to myself that I really wanted to kind of get it out the way as soon as I could. But um, ultimately, I think Vandy was just the best of everything. You know, um, it was close to home, which is something I wanted to kind of stay with, just being close to the Atlanta area. Um, it also just kind of gave me the opportunity to play early. Um, Vanderbilt was probably the only school, if I recall, that kind of offered or at least kind of sold me on the prospects of playing early, which was really exciting for me. So that definitely resonated as well. And my parents just loved the school, ultimately. I think that was a big part of my decision, too. I wanted to go somewhere where my parents felt good about and my parents felt comfortable with. So um, just Vanderbilt being the academic institution that it was and that it is, um, my parents were related, you know, once they heard I got an offer from there. So I'd say a combination of those things. And probably lastly, too, I just thought Nashville was the best just, I guess, city, like all around city. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and that, that kind of just spoke to me, too. Just I wanted to be somewhere where I actually enjoy being for a few years, you know. So yeah. um, it was definitely a perfect storm. And, um, yeah, I decided to go with Vandy, um, I think, a month or two before my senior year started. Awesome. So th- thrilled to have you on, Warren. Uh, this is Will. Um, so the 2009 recruiting class that you came in with uh, might have been the best uh, running back recruiting class in Vanderbilt history. Um, you came in with another guy that did great things, just as you did, Zach Stacy. Um, did you guys speak before becoming teammates, and and what was that relationship like throughout um, your college career? Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I, I met Zach at a um, Nike camp my junior year in high school, and I can't remember if he had decided to go with Vandy at that time or not. But um, man, we actually just really tore it up at that camp, and we actually had um, a lot of good conversations just that day or two that we were there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I met Zach before I met any other of my future um, Vandy teammates, but we actually had a, a relationship um, well before we actually got there on campus in 2009. But, um, yeah, he was he was probably, if I'm not mistaken, the first person I met um, that had any sort of uh, Vandy connection going into um, my freshman year there. So had he committed before you or, or did he commit after or do you know? Yeah, I can't recall, to be honest. I didn't I don't believe he committed at that point but to be honest I can't be too certain it was almost 15 years ago or so yeah so kind of kind of more with that um recruiting process so Vanderbilt fans have have a really fond opinion um former head coach Bobby Johnson so what what was he like during that recruiting process and then once you stepped on campus uh what what was he kind of like going through practices and games and preparation yeah coach Johnson was awesome um I think what stood out about Coach Johnson. Coach Johnson was just his demeanor. Um, I just really appreciated his even kill attitude about everything. Um, I think it's kind of, you know, really customary to see just coaches who are like, you know, really over the top and just, you know, super high energy and, and things like that. And Coach Johnson just had like this very, you know, calm but still urgent demeanor about mm-hmm. how he coached and how he approached the players. And I really appreciated that. I thought I was able to really just kind of sink in and, and just really focus excuse me, really focusing on whatever he was trying to, to say or communicate. Um, I think his words had a lot of weight. 
probably a lot more than a lot of other coaches I've had in middle school, high school, college, and whatever. But um, I just really appreciated his approach to um, coaching us and to teaching us and loving us. I think um, that's what probably stood out the most as Coach Johnson with me. Awesome. So once you did get on campus, we always hear about the speed of the SEC, speed of college football. What was the biggest difference on the field as well as off the field between high school football and, and once you got on campus here at Vanderbilt? Oh, yeah. I mean, you just said that. It was a speed, for sure. Um, I just remember in high school, I was able to, you know, for the most part, outrun everybody. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, just two practices in, um, during the outside zone play, and I remember just trying to bounce it. And um, Roger, who was our nope. um, senior, <laughs> and just kind of caught me before I even got to the line of scrimmage. And I was just like, wow, like, the speed here is completely different. But um, it was something that I noticed from day one, and it really caused me to kind of adjust my game. Um, and not, you know, looking to, I guess, outrun everybody and beating people to the edge on every single run, but just really kind of evolving my game from the inside out, so to speak. So um, definitely the speed of the game was a, the biggest change on the field. I would say off the field, too, was just, I'd say being a better manager of my time and just how I use my time. Um, obviously, you know, going to a school like Vandy, like Vandy is, is night and day from um, high school. Mm-hmm. And um, just the high standards that we had as, you know, not only not only as football players, but as students as well. Um, that bar was set very high, and the coaches made it very clear that they expected us to succeed in the classroom, just like we should expect the speed on the um, on the field. So um, just finding ways to, to, you know, use my time and manage and allocate my time was definitely the biggest thing and biggest, I'd say, adjustment to um, coming from high school into Vandy. Warren, your, your, your college career at Vanderbilt is really amazing to look back at. Uh, I'm sure you've done it a lot, um, you know, done a lot of thinking as well. I want to go here next. James Franklin comes along in 2011. Um, unfortunately, you weren't able to play as much as you wanted under him. But as a whole, what, what kind of a culture shift did you see inside the program after going through Bobby Johnson's regime as well as Robbie Caldwell after that? Yeah, you know, it, it, even to this day, it's still really hard to kind of, I guess, quantify. I think the best way I can put it is just, it was just a different um, kind of energy that he brought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, I, you know, I have a lot of people and family and friends that ask me about just kind of the differences there. But I don't know if I can really put it into words accurately, but it was just different. And I think just the players that we had at the time um, were also exceptional, too. So I think they had a, a big part of um, of the success we had during that time period. But he definitely just brought something different that I don't think um, Vandy and definitely the players that were there at the time have ever seen before. Oh. And I think it just kind of um, sparked something new when we were able to kind of take our game and our focus into a new level. But, um, yeah, it's, it's still really hard to put into words, but I think that's the best way I can probably describe it. No doubt. It, the energy is definitely, you know, the best word to probably use there. I, I want to go back to your game at Ole Miss now, your freshman year in 2009. Um, especially your 80-yard run that, that many Vanderbilt fans still remember. I was telling Will earlier in the episode in, in this episode that it, it looked like a lightning flash. Like you just – that was probably one of the f- faster touchdowns you've ever scored in your life, was it? Oh, hands down. <laughs> in fact, that was, I remember um, – it was my sophomore year too, by the way. But I remember 20, like 2010. I was, line. I was just certain I was going to get, you know, tackled at some point. Um, I remember just kind of – um, certain by the, the free safety or the strong safety there. And um, he seemed like he had a beat on me or at least a good angle. But um, it was definitely probably the fastest I've ever ran on the football field. And I wasn't exactly sure if I was going to score or not. But um, made it there in the end zone. And um, definitely my 
one of my favorite touchdown runs for sure. No doubt. That's something that we look back on your career. That's what we look at. Warren, I know it's probably never easy for you to talk about this, but what were the factors that went into your decision to give up football? And it, because that's such such a tough thing for any any football player to do. But but for you, um, you know, how tough was that, and, and what kind of went into it? Yeah, it was definitely tough. I think um, ultimately it was just a matter of me just trying to imagine, you know, life, you know, five, ten, thirty years from um, football and from college. Um, so, I mean, that was definitely, um, something that was kind of imparted onto me. I was definitely thinking more short term and just wanted to find any and every way I can to get back on the field. But, um, just speaking with coaches and my parents and just other people that I trusted and respected, um, it was definitely just trying to make a more, um, informed decision about just like my overall future health and not so much the short term. Um, but it was definitely tough. I mean, it was uh, probably one of the most hard, the most difficult decisions I've ever made. Um, I, I'm trying to remember at the time if if it was my junior year or senior year that I actually made that decision. But in any case, um, I was definitely pulling to find a way to get back on the field and, um, you know, ultimately just couldn't make it work, you know. But I think it turned out for the best because um, just in hindsight, like I, I wasn't really nowhere near the player I was my freshman year just, you know, as I was kind of leaving Vandy and, um, I think my health is better for it too. Um, just over the years, my body and my knees particularly have taken like a real extreme pounding. And, um, you know, though I'm able to kind of do things today and, and I'm pretty mobile now, but I don't think there's any way I would have made it another year or two had I just, you know, kept going on anyway. So I think it really worked out at the end of the day. Hey, that, that's a Vanderbilt man right there. That's a 40 year decision, not a four. That That's, that's the recruiting pitch from, uh, that was, that was Franklin's pitch. It's obviously coach Mason's recruiting pitch right now. Um, I want to ask you about kind of the future of Vanderbilt football. I'm not sure how much you've been keeping up with the program. Um, obviously, you were a big part of it when you were there. Uh, but what are your overall thoughts on, on the future of, of Commodore football under, under Coach Mason, especially this year coming up? Yeah, I'm optimistic. I mean, I think Coach Mason is an incredible coach. And I um, didn't play for him exactly, but I've had the chance to kind of spend some time with him here and there just over the years. And I love what he's doing. You know, um, we've definitely had some bad breaks over the years, but um, I definitely, you know, like to think that, you know, we're able to kind of move forward. Um, you know, we're losing a lot of guys this year coming into the season, but uh, like I said, I think you know, Mason's an incredible coach, and I, I think we'll find a way to kind of take a step forward this year. So I'm excited. Ultimately, I think, you know, Vandy, you know, being in Nashville, the SEC, I think we have a huge product to sell to, to um, high school athletes. So. I'm optimistic, and um, with uh, Miss Lee coming in, you know, leading as a new uh, athletic director, I think she kind of, you know, puts a new sort of spark into things as well. So hopefully that change can kind of stir up some good things for Vanderbilt football as well. But ultimately, again, I'm optimistic, and I'm looking forward to seeing the season this year. Well, Warren, thank you for taking the time with us. Um, before we let you go, is is there anything you want to plug here at the end, social media or otherwise? No, nah, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> Thanks for thinking about me and go doors, I guess. That's all I got. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks a lot, Warren. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Thank you. That was Warren Norman. He's a, you know, one of the, one of the more electric playmakers for the time he was wearing a Commodore uniform. Will he was, he was in a a lightning bolt and, and, and that, that play against Ole Miss, I got, I had to ask him about it because it it was, it was truly one of the, one of the bigger runs in in history at that point. Now, Keyshawn Vaughn came along. (laughs) Um, 
But uh, again, he, great interview there, and and he's a class act. Definitely the forty year decision, Vanderbilt man. Um, in yeah. Him, right? Um. So he didn't want to plug it, but I'll go ahead and and plug his Twitter for him. Um. It's Warren Norman Jr. at War No Ali. I uh, just wanted to throw that in for him. Ho- hopefully, Commodore yeah. Faithful go and follow him. A, t- a true Vanderbilt man, and and taking the time to sit down with us, we really appreciate it. No doubt, and and um, I I can't confirm this, but he was coaching basketball. I'm pretty sure at at Hillsborough High School. Um, I don't know if you. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that, Will. But um, I remember I, I went to Father Ryan, and and I remember uh, scrimmaging him. I saw him on the sideline, and, and I go to one of my teammates who was a Vanderbilt fan at the time, and like that's more normal. <laughs> like oh my, that, that's that's more normal. One of my favorite players uh, to put, to wear the black and gold. So uh, not sure if he's still there there at Hillsboro. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully he is still doing well. Uh, and again, he's staying busy, as he said, during the quarantine. Uh, but uh, that does it here for episode number 28. We talked a lot about Jerry Stackhouse versus Jeff Goodman. Hopefully, Will, we'll have a little bit more lightning uh, to come <laughs> from this in the next episode, um, you know, fr- from Goodman and Stackhouse. But nonetheless, you've been listening to episode 28 of The Door Report presented by Alaco Hardwood Floor.